You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, your source for all things Detroit Rams. PrideofDetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter. No, this is a Lions podcast. Don't worry about it. Um, we have plenty of Lions talk to get to, but this is after the Super Bowl. And it's happened. Our big, glorious boy went abroad to France, studied very well. And look, look, he's come back with all the dreams in the world, a suitcase full of dreams. And we're here to live vicariously through him. And we have Lions topics too. Don't worry. This isn't just going to be about Stafford today, but we, we got to give it up. Like you, you are allowed to be a fan of an individual player, regardless of where that player goes. That still holds true in the NFL. We still believe that. And for a lot of us, our experiences as younger Lions fans, I would say we're all across the board, younger Lions fans was inextricably tied to Stafford. And so we're going to talk about Stafford, the Super Bowl champion, Matthew Stafford, and your Los Angeles Rams on this, the Detroit Lions, most reviewed Detroit Lions podcast out there. I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host, at Chris Perfett on Twitter. And we're going to get to the man himself, the Detroit Ram, the fearless leader of the Detroit Rams, Jeremy Reisman (laughs) at Detroit on Lion. Hi, Ryan. I mean... <laughs> Detroit on Ryan. Is that what you said? <laughs> Detroit on Lion. And that's why I got to Ryan. Jeremy Reisman. Hi. You've got the Stafford jersey, I see. I do. I'm feeling pretty, pretty darn good this morning. And and yeah, before before we get into anything, someone from chat put it put it very well. Yeah. Just because yes. you're a Stafford fan does not mean you're a Detroit or a, a Los Angeles Lions guy or a Detroit Rams guy. You can be a fan of a player and a fan of your own team. I'm not a Rams fan. I'm a Matthew Stafford fan, and I'm very happy to see him with a cigar in Yo. one hand, either a Pepsi or a Bud Light in the other hand, and just a shit-eating that's grin a Pepsi. No, that's a Pepsi. That that was they, – they he probably had a beer, and someone at the NFL was like, you can't have that in the – Turn the logo the away. Turn the logo away. Turn the logo away. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Matthews. Back is the motherfucking rock guy. At Ryan underscore P-O-D is also with us. Now we say hello to Ryan and um, really excited to do this podcast, Ryan, because as someone else in our chat is pointing out, Matthew, John Matthew Stafford has as many Super Bowls as Aaron Rodgers. Those, those are the facts. Yeah, that is, that is true. That That's is a stat. True. It is. Yep. Yep. It is a stat now. It's this a, is a stats it's a, it's heavy a, podcast. It's we a, only it's deal a, in facts. Right. It's a, it's a recognized stat. Wins, <laughs> short menu, wins and losses. Matthew we, Stafford, one. We've always been about quarterback wins on this podcast. I, I right. defy you to find any other evidence. Guys, God damn right. We're really getting ahead of ourselves, though, because if the Packers just would have got Odell Beckham Jr., they would have won the Super Bowl. 
I feel bad for Odell, man. He was playing so well until that ACL injury. I'm so happy he at least got to walk away with a ring. But man, that sucked. Caught a tutty too. He yeah. did. He, he did. was dominating that game, and and it really changed the course of the game when he left. I mean, Matthew Stafford, I think when he left, had a perfect passer rating, and then that Rams offense just kind of went off a cliff for really two full quarters. Yeah, part of that is Sean McVay once again. Like, you, you know how we talked about how Patricia really wanted to establish the run? <laughs> Sean McVay was really hoping to establish the run in that game, and it never happened. It never happens. Yeah. And then it's a bummer too. Cause I, I was trying to be a big cam Akers fan this postseason with his awesome story of, of coming back from, you know, the, the Achilles injury, but he was awful. And, and the, mm-hmm. the offensive line wasn't helping him. Sure. But I, I think he finished with 1.3 yards per carry on what, like 13 carries or something crazy like that. Just absolutely no, no help at all. Uh, to his quarterback, which I mean, Matt, uh, can we say Matt's that, that was to, just Matt's like, used to not having a run game? That is the quint. That was the quintessential Matthew Stafford game. It had everything that we're used to seeing: no running game, a semi-reckless deep throw that got picked off, one inaccurate pass that his receivers didn't help and got picked off, and him disappearing for for essentially a full quarter and then coming back in the fourth quarter to do what he's always done here in Detroit, which is in a close game. In the fourth quarter, if you give him a chance, he is going to take it and win the football game. And that's exactly what he did. So it was, I mean, it was just kind of fun. It, it really felt like you were watching a, a Lions game. And, and this was really the first time I've ever watched the Super Bowl with a heavy interest in it. And, and granted, that heavy interest was surrounded by one player. Um, and it got me got me thinking. And, and I know, Re- Ryan, you were saying the same thing before the game even started. Like, if 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 that game is giving me nerves for one player, what the hell is it going to feel like when the Lions are in this thing? Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I was a ball of nerves. Like when I woke up just because I, I it, it wasn't necessarily because I was rooting for the Rams um, or I was rooting for Matthew Stafford. It just felt like there was a lot on the line for this game. Like, yeah. and, and I think a lot of people pointed this out, like not only what was there so much to lose or gain for Matthew Stafford or, you know, the Los Angeles Rams as a, as a test study for, you know, this, this all in kind of uh, proposition that, that their team is running in terms of trading draft picks and, and, you know, going all in when, when their window, when the window is still open, but I mean, then, then it was pregame. It was like, Oh yeah, Aaron Donald might retire if, uh, if he has a good game and the, and the Rams win the Super Bowl. it's like, Oh, okay. So the greatest defensive, the greatest defensive player of the, the past generation who without the a doubt, skipped on who, who Brad Holmes tried to acquire when he traded Matthew Stafford, right? Like he at least was like, <laughs> Hey, what about Aaron Donald? You want to, you want to toss him over to Detroit? But yeah, I, I think that this game there, there was just so much surrounding it that like, it felt like a really, I mean, it felt like the big game, but I, I can't imagine what I would be like if I woke up and the Detroit lions were in the super bowl. Yeah, it's uh, I, I don't want to even think that far ahead, to be honest, because uh, I don't know what kind of a ball I would be just a ball of emotions, just careening back and forth. I always find every year at least someone to root for in the Super Bowl. It's just usually in the past, those teams that I root for have usually come up really short. So I'm glad to be uh, I mean, I, I was I was happy for the Chiefs when they did it, but then they fell to Tampa Bay. Uh, I think I was rooting for the Falcons. I'm glad uh, I'm glad this one came home. I'm just going to say it. And it means a lot. I mean, you know, I, I've said this before. I'm out in Los Angeles. It does mean a lot when 
Los Angeles is a town that was very kind of like hesitant about the Rams coming back. I know some old school Rams guys, including my friend Ben Maller, who has a radio show who was over the moon for this. But even even here, it was like, all right, are they just going to do what happened a few years ago with the against the Patriots? And they avoided it here. And it was it was a fascinating game because I feel like watching my timeline, more people were on the side of the Bengals by kickoff. Like they wanted the feel good story of the Bengals of the team that had been down forever and finally coming back. And I, I guess you could see the lions in them. I would hope the ownership for the lions isn't as cheap as the Brown family. That, that would be, that would be helpful. And, but it was, a, it was, I don't know, like it was, it was at once like, it was kind of a, a stodgy game for a while, Jeremy. I, I feel like Odell going out really hurt, as you said, it hurt that offense. And the uh, Bengals, Burrow took seven sacks. And yeah. neither of these teams really got much going on, on in multiple aspects at different times. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, it, you got to grind out the game. It was, it was definitely a, a big offensive struggle in the middle of that game, really most of the third quarter and, and most of the fourth quarter because, you know, when, when Odell goes down and, and the Rams offense has, has no answer right away, the Bengals had a chance to pull away. Like they, they pull off the big play on the, on the very first play of the second half, but then they go quiet. They, they get an interception the very next play, but then they settle for three. And then I think the Rams go three and out like three times in a row. And that's the opportunity that the Bengals had to really extend their lead and put that game away. And they couldn't. And, and again, like this goes to the whole point where this is why Matthew Stafford needed a full team because he goes through these spurts. He always has gone through these spurts where he just, it's, it's not necessarily all his fault, but it seems like there's at least like a one quarter per game where he just disappears Can and I? they need to hold their head above water. And the Rams defense absolutely did that for him. And they've been dying for that. Like he's been dying for that for, for at the end of the game career. too. Aaron Donald getting yeah, a sack to seal course. it too. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I thought, I thought it was going to go to overtime in the NFL. We'd all be talking about overtime rules again. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to, I, I do want to press upon this because I want to talk about both teams here in a second about whether or not we think that their model is something that will like make them stick around. I have doubts about the Bengals, but I first want to ask too, like, cause you know, we are a lions podcast and there's been so much ink spilled on whether or not like it's right to root this much for the Stafford or for another team or um, how and I, I, I know we're going to talk about the Stafford trade in the next block, but I, I'm starting to see, I think, Detroit talking heads, you know, wondering that, you know, because now Stafford won the Super Bowl, it feels like that the Lions are somehow like lost out on something. But I mean, I I don't know. I, I feel like when Stafford decided he wanted to leave Detroit, it was for valid reasons. They screwed up. And, and I mean, it's... I've had some Lions fans come to me and it's like, you, you, but you know, you know, the media is going to call the Lions a bad organization and that they were losers. They couldn't win with Stafford, which is objectively true though. Yeah. It was objectively true. Like, I'm sorry. We wasted the time between Jim Schwartz, Jim Caldwell, and, and especially Matt Patricia, you wasted the, op- the Lions wasted that opportunity. That doesn't make, I mean, but that shouldn't impact you as a fan. You shouldn't be told you're a bad fan for, for following this team. It just, it happens again. Look at the Bengals. Everyone like people weren't yelling at the Bengals to give up their team or nobody at the Bengals was that shamed for this many years being the bungles. 
It just happens. That's, that's the shift of the NFL. That's, that's the flow of the NFL. Sometimes you're just at the bottom of the pile and you would just have to eat it. The lions tried, but at the end of the day, they had to keep eating those L's and they lost Stafford because of it. I don't think there's any question that Stafford winning a Super Bowl in his very first damn year out of Detroit is absolutely an indication that the Lions failed him while while he was here. And and those that say, you know, Will Stafford failed while he was here too, of course, of course he takes some of the blame. No question. But yeah, you just look at how scarce a Super Bowl run is for even the best quarterbacks in, in this league, Aaron Rodgers, as we, we joke about only has one Super Bowl win. He's only had one Super Bowl appearance. And I think we can all agree. He's maybe one of the best quarterbacks ever to play the game. It's hard to build an entire team around a really good quarterback. And the lines never came close. I mean, I, I can keep going. Like even Peyton Manning only has two, two Super Bowl wins. Drew Brees has one. And that Super second Bowl. Super Bowl win. That is like a, a historic yeah, defense. That was in spite him. of him. 100%. Yes. Uh, you know, Dan Marino never got one and, and, and Brett Favre had one. Like it's hard. You have to build an entire team. And so everyone that said Matthew Stafford wasn't good enough. A, a lot of people agreed like, yeah, he's not good enough. He needs a full team. I feel like that's what we were banging the table for year after year after year. And the lions did it one year. In my opinion, they gave Matthew Stafford a real chance one year, 2014. One of the best defenses in the league, top three defense in the league, Definitely a good enough wide receiving core. Running game was so-so, but that was good enough. But that brings me to my other point. In order to make a Super Bowl run, people aren't going to like to hear this, but you have to get lucky. You have Bengals luck, got luck lucky. Has, Rams got lucky. Both these teams yes. had luck on their side. Yes. Jimmy Garoppolo had to throw, had to have the worst throw of his life for yeah, the Rams Stafford to get through what should have been an interception in the NFC championship game. He got yeah. lucky. Maybe a ticky tack holding call at the end of this game. Got lucky. The Lions got unlucky in 2014. They didn't help themselves, but they also got unlucky. And I don't think I need to remind everyone else why. So for all of this to happen, to, for, for him to get lucky, for him to ha- find a team in his first year out of Detroit is, is kind of incredible. It, it's remarkable, really. Um, and, and that's why I'm happy for him for it to happen so quickly. I think even, even the most optimistic that said Matthew Stafford could go win a Super Bowl in his first year outside of of, of Los Angeles has to be a little surprised by how it happened so quickly, at least in my opinion. I think so too. I, I think the other thing that if we want to start getting into to some of the, the fallout in terms of team building and things like that, um, that people can, can parse through and, and see in, in looking at the Cincinnati Bengals, looking at the Los Angeles Rams, the Los Angeles Rams are this team, right? That kind of, I, I, I think there's a there's a misconception in terms of how people view them as a team that, oh, they went out and they they traded picks. They got Von Miller. They got Jalen Ramsey. They, they put the finishing touch on by getting Matthew Stafford. They, they were trading picks, trading picks and getting players. You know, as we've talked about, like the Rams, you know, in the season, like they had the, the highest amount of drafted players on their roster. Um that, that were, that were picked by the organization. Like they are a homegrown team outside of a few really, you know, prominent players like Von Miller, you know, getting picked up OBJ falling into their laps. Like you want to talk about a lot of luck. Like, I mean, having the opportunity to upgrade from, from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford. Like I, I think what this does is it kind of, there's, I think it's a little fugazi. Like, I think that there, if you look at the Rams, 
how they quote unquote, like built the team first and then got the quarterback last. Like how often is a team going to just fall into Matthew Stafford? Right. Right. Like, I mean, people, mm-hmm. people use the same kind of example as, well, the Denver Broncos did it. They fell into Peyton Manning. I, I mean, like how lucky of an organization do you have to be in order to do that? Because I, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady, like, I, I just don't know if that is something that a lot of teams can point at and say, well, that's sustainable. I, I wonder if that is maybe becoming more of a thing though. Like are people going to see Matthew Stafford saying, Hey, I want out. Please let me go find a championship. Are we going to see mean, that more often? I mean, we certainly see a lot of distraught quarterbacks right now, right? Like I was going to say, like we might, I don't know what's might... happening with Kyler Murray right now, but <laughs> it seems like he's having a, 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 a teeny bopper fight with, with the, the Cardinals and who knows what's going to happen to Russell Wilson. I was going to say, who knows what's going to happen to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Like it, it, it does kind of happen a lot for some reason as of, as of late, but I'm, I'm with you, Ryan, like that you can't really rely on something like that to, to necessarily happen. I know, I know some people are already kind of like crossing their fingers that the lines in, in a year or two will be close enough where they're maybe we, maybe we can lure Matthew Stafford back. I'm just like, I don't know about that. I, as, as a Stafford homework, I would love to see it, but I'm almost certain they're <laughs> going to give that guy an extension this offseason. Oh yeah, no, no. I think I think he'll remain in Los Angeles. Like they'll they'll keep him locked up there. It, it it's funny because on one hand, like yeah, as you say, they have all the homegrown, but they also I think they're a great. The Rams are a great lesson in spending money, not just not just in the money to of like the free agents that Ryan's talking about, but also in that. A lot of that money turned into like to make it work with the cap. They had to put a lot of that money into like cash signing bonuses, but also the money that Crunky, like you know, that even Stan Crunky, Crunky, Cranky. I don't, I still know how to say this guy's last name. I think it's um, Cranky, but Cranky, yeah. Cranky, Cranky Kong, um, that he spent to build SoFi to move the Rams from St. Louis to Los Angeles to settle that lawsuit. All of that. Plus, you know, that, that everything they needed to do to attract talent. I don't think this team gets built if it's still in St. Louis for, for several reasons. I don't want to really get into, but it, it, it was, it's a great lesson in that you want an owner that is like, you know, going to bankroll this. And I think that on the flip side, the, the question we have for the Bengals, as much as they are a young team. And I think everyone the week of was talking about, like, oh, the Bengals kind of overachieved this year. They'll be, they, they'll probably be back here if they keep getting that luck. They're still building this team, but they're going to soon enter the phase where they have to start spending as well. And the flip side is that they're owned by the Brown family, who are the complete opposite when it comes to spending money. We've talked about this before when we were talking about Marvin Lewis, I think about a year ago about, yeah, you know, we to Joe Goodberry. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking to Joe Goodberry about, cause we were looking at maybe Marvin Lewis's chance to get hired as the coach of the Detroit lions. And one of the things he brought up talking about Cincinnati was how Marvin Lewis and his coaching staff had to be they double as scouts. Cause they, the Brown family didn't give them money for a scouting department. The Bengals, the only team in the league without an indoor practice facility. Like that is an ownership that when it, when the chips are down, it comes time to pay guys. They will let them walk every time. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because their, their scouting department is still small. And I, I actually saw some articles written leading into the Carson Super Bowl. Carson Palmer talked this week about just how, how like he, he couldn't get pieces around him there. So he had to go to the Raiders and then eventually to Arizona too. Right. And, and I, 
you know, it's interesting how one Super Bowl run changes the narrative because now I, I'm reading articles that saying, well, their small scouting department is actually a help because, you know, you're, you're not necessarily running into each other with, with your opinions. Like you're, if, if you're, if you're more honed in, like whatever, whatever, but going back to the, just the original topic here, can the Bengals make it back here? Maybe. I mean, they, they have a lot, they have a lot of cap space. So they need a better offensive they, line. They're, they're certainly going to need a better offensive hey, line. Suddenly, suddenly but, everyone wasn't mad at me this week because of that post I made about them passing Panesul. <laughs> but go on. Jeremy, they, 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 have, they have a good nucleus. They have a really darn like Joe Burrow's a stud. He, he's really freaking good. And obviously his connection with, with Jamar chase is, is dangerous and, and damn near unstoppable, but nothing is guaranteed in the NFL, man. And I, and you, you said it, Chris, you said they overachieved this year. They absolutely did. They got lucky. We talked about luck. They got lucky. You don't win a lot of games getting sacked eight times. You don't, Bank on, you know, Tannehill throwing an interception at midfield when he's about to win the game. Um, I mean, uh, they, they got lucky. And so just to me, you can't you can't ever just like, oh, well, we'll be back. That's not how the NFL works unless you have Tom Brady. It's just got, not. They got lucky in their own division in the regular season. Lamar, Lamar Jackson misses a bunch of time. That is a tough Ryan. The AFC North is a hellish division for them. Yeah, except I think that they're probably the team to beat now. Like, I think that they've climbed to the top of the mountain. I mean, when you have Joe Burrow and you have Jamar Chase, like, they have to figure out the offensive line, right? That's an obvious. Mm -hmm. But um, I agree with with the majority of what you guys are saying. I think the one thing that runs contradictory um, to to the premise about the Brown family not spending is, like, one of the things coming into the Super Bowl is, like, look at what the Bengals did in free agency, like signing Trey Hendrickson, um, you know, four years, $60 million. Mm-hmm. Look at, you know, Chidobe Ouzier, <clears throat> three years, $21.75 million. Like, I, they they hit on – and this is this is this kind of runs opposite of what everybody says about team building is, like, you don't do it in free agency. You have to do it in the draft. have to do it in the draft. Well, the Bengals just, I mean, they signed a bunch of really, really important players that played a, a huge role in, in their, in their Super Bowl run, uh, you know, three through free agency. So I, yeah, Chris, I agree with you. Like, I mean, the Baltimore Ravens are still going to be the Baltimore Ravens and it, it sucks that they lost out on Lamar Jackson and, it's and they are losing. Wink. Yeah. They are losing wink Martindale. We have to see what's going to happen to their defense with the new coordinator in place too. Yeah. 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 But, but the, I mean, to, to your point, like the Ravens in training camp, they lost their top two cornerbacks on back-to-back plays. Mm-hmm. Um, or they, you know, they, they lost, I mean, they lost JK Dobbins, they, you know, whatever, but, uh, to, to, to my overall point, I think with the Bengals is that like Jeremy said, like nothing's guaranteed, like th- the improbability of their run. I don't want to say it's all luck because you don't, you don't come from behind in that AFC championship game against the chiefs. Like you don't do that in the way that they did that and have it be luck. Like the, the way that the way that that Bengals defense had Patrick Mahomes seeing ghosts, like, <laughs> I, all, all credit to them. And, and th- they, they lost this game by three points. Right. Right. They like, had the lead with two minutes left. They had a moment to it's tie the game. They, they had a moment to tie the game at the end until Aaron Donald has the sack of his life too. Yes. Yes. And, and then, yeah. I, yeah. I, on that same play where Aaron Donald gets to Joe Burrow, like I've, I'm sure you guys have seen it, but Jamar Chase has blown by Jalen Ramsey, who's on the <laughs> ground. Like all Burrow has to do is have like another like half second to, Boy, to whip that's, that ball out. 
that's that's a that's a that's something that got smoothed over real bad. Like the the Rams secondary was not having a fun day. Jalen Ramsey was not having a fun day at all. And that's just the 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 the, the what victory can do for you and the agony of defeat. But uh, really, really yeah. quick with the yeah. Bengals, like last thing I want to say on it is every single year for the next 10 years, the road to the Super Bowl for them goes through Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, who are both the the Super Bowl fa- Those are the two Super Bowl betting favorites right now. For Good luck. Year. Good yeah. luck getting back. That's <laughs> and, all I got to say. And, and Justin Herbert and the Chargers, too. Yeah. And Herbert's going to be in that mix. And again, Lamar and, and Jackson. Jackson. And, yeah. and who knows <laughs> like, if, if Aaron Rodgers goes to the AFC or not? Like, right. All the or, damn quarterbacks are in, in the AFC. That's all I'm saying, except, except for Matthew Stafford, of course, this guy. Yeah. This guy right here. Yeah. I mean, we might see the Rams back here. It's going to uh, fascinating stuff to watch. Cause you mentioned Aaron Donald. I think I heard the same about Sean McVay about him in question for the future too. So, I mean, just amazing. Yeah. What can change? The Rams would probably stand to upgrade from Sean McVay at this point. Oh my God. <laughs> Watching him try to establish the run was, as I said, it was lions ask. It was uh brutal but let's take there a quick some weird things that happened real quick about sean yeah. mcfay there are some weird things that happened all throughout the playoffs but like just getting a chance to see like a lot more rams games like on this playoff run like you get it now his team his his team pulled him out of some stuff man. <laughs> but yeah yeah it, it's funny how he, he doesn't get a lot of that blame going back to jeremy's point about uh reputations that he's the genius guy even though like Man, wow. Um, but anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We will revisit the Matthew Stafford trade on this podcast. Uh, knock down some, some rumors and myths about that. Um, trades aren't zero sum. Spoiler alert. And we will look ahead now because the offseason looms. Talk some combine. Talk some free agency. Next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make 
all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Sitting here after the Super Bowl, handing it all out. It's technically Lions talk, I guess, but this is this is a podcast for Lions fans. And Lions fans watch more than just the Lions. Um, real quick before we get into, I want to revisit the Matthew Stafford trade. Now that we have cemented that the that the Lions for the Rams pick will be picking 32. Uh, before we get into that, though, I think we had a final word. You want to talk, you guys want to talk a little bit about the MV, the uh, Super Bowl MVP vote at the end? Yeah. Um, so so Cooper Cup won it. And I don't I don't have a problem with that personally. I think I think mm-hmm. he probably he he was definitely one of a few candidates that that were worthy of it. And um, you know, I don't think the 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 Rams win that game. They they were looking for a hero to step up in that receiving core after I Odell went down. And listen, like he dominated that final drive. He he not only does he catch the game winning pass, not only does he catch the the twenty two no look amazing pass from Matthew Stafford, but he also does an end around on a fourth and one that if they they don't convert there, that game is over. They're they're in Bengals territory already. They're given the um, they're in their own territory. Bengals are already in scoring position if they don't convert there. So um, definitely huge. But I, I I mean I think the obvious other two candidates are, are Aaron Donald and Matthew Stafford. And I'm I'm curious what what you guys think. Did you guys think someone else was more deserving of that? I think it's, I think it's a good discussion. Like I think that you can make a viable case for any of those guys. Right. Um, It's just the unfortunate circumstances of the votes having to be turned in by the two minute warning because Aaron Donald, like put his stamp on that game. Right. Because like tattooed it. Yeah. I I think the, the problem is, is that he, he had a, he had a really good game. And then that final drive was like, I mean, you saw Aaron Donald sprint onto the field. Like they asked him in post game, like, Hey, like, you know, you know, what got you to Joe Burrow or what got you, you know, home to the quarterback on that, on that fourth and one play. And he's like, play was for the Super Bowl, Like it, it was just all the way. Like we were going all the way because it was literally to win the Super Bowl. And when, when the Rams needed somebody to do that, like Aaron Donald did it. And I mean, you look at like the PFF grades, right? Like, um, you know, Aaron Donald had seven pressures, two sacks, a quarterback hit and four hurries. Like, I mean, the guy was just, it, it was, yeah. I mean, like, but everybody knew that going into the game, right? Like everybody that, like that was one of the, that was one of the talking points that came to fruition where it was like the Bengals offensive line is just, they're outmatched by what the Rams have as a pass rush. And I mean, that came through cause it wasn't just Aaron Donald, right? Like right. it was, it was Von Miller. Von Miller had a couple of sacks. Leonard Floyd Ron has sack. A Sean Robinson. Hey, has our old, our, my, my old large adult son. 
Yeah. So um, I, I think that you could really make a case for any, I'm not super upset either way. I think if a guy should have won, I think it should have been Aaron Donald. Um, it, I, yeah. I, I have a problem in that it wasn't Matthew Stafford. I, I know probably the two minute mark comes into mind and I know why he didn't because of the two picks, but I think we had talked about Jeremy at some point um, like there's no quarterback who's ever had a fourth quarter comeback and maybe because there was so much time on the clock, I guess for Joe Burrow that people were kind of holding their breath a little bit, but like, or, or had the stats that, that, that Stafford did. Yeah. No, no quarterback has ever thrown three touchdowns in a Super Bowl and not gotten the MVP until now. Yeah. And I think that just fits the larger pattern of just people just don't want to give Stafford credit. Like what you had written about when it came to all of the gushing about Cooper cup. And I feel like the Cooper cup getting the MVP was kind of, a, the product of Odell Beckham Jr. leaving the game, and B, like because of what you had you had written about it previously about that Cooper Cup gets a lot of credit that Stafford doesn't. Yeah, I mean the the interceptions are are going to hurt. I don't I don't I don't know if they should because obviously the the deep ball was it was a third and long. They they weren't in field goal position. It's an arm punt and it's one on one coverage, and you want to give your guy a chance to make a play. If, if that guy is Odell, I'm not saying it's caught for a touchdown, but it's probably not intercepted because I don't remember who the receiver was, but he didn't get give much of an effort in breaking it up. Then the other one was an inaccurate pass, but should, have, should it have been intercepted? Probably not. But, you know, this, we, we're humans. We, we like stat lines. We like easily consumable things that, that tell yeah, us how it was a quarterback Van Jefferson, was doing. Van Jefferson. Um, and so you look at the stats, you look at his, you know, quarterback rating is like 90, two interceptions, three, three touchdowns. That's not good enough. Meanwhile, Cooper cup, two touchdowns. No, no, there's no negative wide receiver stat that can kind of offset the good stuff. So it, it's a flawed system, but I, I think if I were going to give it to someone other than Cooper cup, I, I think I might actually do Aaron Donald too, but I mean, I, yeah. I, I think they're all really close. The one thing I want to say about Aaron Donald is like, I don't know if there is a defensive player that shows up in big moments more than he does. Because you think back to the Lions game, quiet all game, and then Jared Goff is 11 yards away from from scoring. He comes through with the pressure and it gets picked off by Jalen Ramsey. Think back to the, the NFC Championship game. Who sealed that game? Aaron Donald with the pressure, forced an interception. And then not only does he have the pressure that forces the incompletion to win this game, but he had a third down stop right before that. And on a not very easy to play, he's a third and one stuff and then a pressure to end the game. That dude is clutch as hell. And how how often do you get to say that about a defensive player, that a defensive player is clutch? I don't want to, I don't want to linger on this. This might hurt more than losing Stafford is once again, being reminded (laughs) that the lions had a chance to get Aaron Donald. This, this Stafford got him. Stafford got him and Odell Beckham. I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. (laughs) Now let's move over to the trade because, uh, I need I think I hit my limit for rooting for the Rams. Yeah. Um, so Lions get 32nd. It is now locked in. They've already gotten a Fitu Melifon Wu as part of the uh as part of the, the third rounder that third rounder. Yes, yes. I was just making sure I made sure I said Melifon Wu's name correctly. Um I look, I think some people are already saying the Lions got fleeced uh in Detroit. I think that's wrong. Uh, first off, like trades aren't necessarily a zero sum. 
I think people, once again, this, this goes with all American sports. We need a winner and a loser. You can't be both sides benefited or both sides like had the equal benefit. It has to be a winner and a loser. It has to be zero sum and trades by their definition aren't zero sum. You want something from someone else and they want something from you. You find some equitable value on which to trade. And the Lions needed draft picks and the Rams needed a quarterback. I don't think the Lions lost this trade at all. I still don't, even though they're picking 32 this year and they'll probably be picking, you know, playoff or later next year, unless the Rams just have a complete epic collapse like the the Eagles did after their Super Bowl, which I don't see happening. I just don't. But I, I, Jeremy, it, once again, it's, it's, it's playing the Monday morning quarterbacking with a trade that happened last year. And I don't, I, I personally don't see the value like that. That 32 is a bad value. I, I understand it's close to the second round, but you're still getting quality starters at, in the thirties. So I don't, I don't see it as bad, but, and I know people are going to bring up the Panthers trade again. So, I mean, where, where do you stand on this? I mean, I, here's the way I, I look at it. The Rams won their side of the trade. Now it's Brad Holmes's job to win his side of the trade because draft picks are just draft picks. You have to, they, they, they're lottery tickets. There's, yeah. there's no inherent value in them until they turn into a player. And so we'll see how if Atu Melifondu plays out, they get 32 this year and we'll see where they get next. But I mean, you have an opportunity to have three good to great starters and it's on Brad Holmes to, to turn that into something. And so I don't, I don't, like you said, I looking at it like a zero sum game is, is dumb. Um, it, both teams can benefit from James. And I think people are starting to accept that um, in general, um, you know, there, there's certainly some exceptions to that rule. So, and, and, and I do think you have to wonder what that next round pick is going to be like. And, and if you want to compare it to the Panthers trade, there was another article that, that dropped right before the Super Bowl from the Charlotte Observer, I think that, that basically confirmed that the deal from the, the Panthers was just Teddy Bridgewater in the eighth overall pick. There wasn't anything beyond that. So in order for that to be out, pay. yeah, yeah. In order to, you know, if, if you want to play like the the, the pick value and, and the, the common Jimmy Johnson chart or whatever, that in order for it to be a better trade, the Rams have to, in order for the Rams uh, trade to be a better trade, uh, the Rams have to finish 25th or worse. So 25th, 24th, 23rd, all those. If they're, if they're 26 or better in draft order next year, if that pick is 26 or, or deeper, I should say, then it's it's it favors in in the Panthers trade, but all that to say is worst case scenario, it's still going to be pretty close. And if you want to look at it simplistically, three players versus one. the The only difference that that factors in here is is obviously cap space, right? You, you take on Jared Goff and his monster contract versus Teddy Bridgewater and a relatively small contract. That's that's a significant difference that needs to be discussed. But either way, I'm looking at this trade, and I I mean, I was reminiscing yesterday people were telling me Matthew Stafford wasn't going to catch a first rounder. Like they got two first rounders and a third. It's a good trade, but, but there, again, it's, it's not a great trade unless you draft the right players and we'll see what Brad Holmes does with them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you, you know, you look at what the lions were able to get. And, and I talked about this in an article that I had go up on Monday about why the lines like, should entertain the idea of drafting a quarterback at number two is I I think when Brad Holmes made this trade, he made this trade in mind that he had time, right? Because both him and Dan Campbell got lengthy contracts 
um, to, to kick off their tenure here in Detroit. And I think that what we've seen, everything from ownership has seemingly indicated that the lions are going to be afforded time to build this the way that they want to build it. And I, I think that with this trade, they, they got more, they got more darts to throw. Right. I mean, yeah, it, getting the eighth overall pick is pretty nice, but you know, getting, getting a pick at 32, who knows if the Rams are going to be able to climb the mountain again, they have a lot of players that they need to, that they need to, uh, you know, resign and they're in maybe arguably one of the toughest divisions in the NFL and the NFC West. So um, who knows how that other pick will play out, but it, it's guaranteed to be another first round pick. Like, even if it's all the way at 32, they didn't really like, according to the charts, like you said, Jeremy, they didn't lose, lose the trade that bad. No. And I yeah. think you also, it, it maybe this is playing a little mental gymnastics here, but also by trading away Matthew Stafford, they increased their own draft value, right? Like, would the Lions be picking second overall if Matthew Stafford stuck around for another year? No, of course they wouldn't be. They'd be much yeah. better. And so they're they're because they traded away Matthew Stafford and got a bridge quarterback or, or whatever you want to say about Jared Goff or hit the reset button. Now they have the second overall pick. And it's be, it, that that I feel like should be at least somewhat baked into the, into I the just, conversation here. I think I think it's just I, I just don't like the conversation too much because it's really working backwards a bit from we know now Stafford won the Super Bowl. Right. When at the time there was questions of how far the Rams would even go. And on top of that, the the question is all about what the return would be. And again, people like I, I make I make this I, I'm trying to make this as clear as I can, like, because I feel like once again, this is kind of the Justin Fields dead enders too. like. Like you, you weren't going to like, if, if Justin Fields had been taken by any other team than Chicago bears, you wouldn't have wanted to sniff him. So I feel like there, there's just so much retroactive. We know now about this trade, all you could ask for at the time was maximum value. And let's reinforce this again. Stafford did not want to stay in Detroit. He did not want to stay in Detroit. What, what like you can't change the guy's mind. You can't strong arm him and say, no, you got to stay here. I mean, you could, but that will probably like, you're not going to convince that for any kind of long-term plan. And you've completely tanked your organization's reputation. Like what, like, I, I just, it, it, it's, it's frustrating because it's just going back with more information that we didn't have at the time and everything that made it a good trade at the time. If I'm telling you straight up, you get two first rounders for Matthew Stafford. Like you're taking that in a heartbeat it, before I even tell you what the team is from. I just, it, it's, it's we're, we're, we're working it backwards and that we now know that the pick is 32 right. rather than like say 16. I, I think 12. part of the, of the frustration with people is just like the, the confusion of where the lions are going at quarterback. Right. And, and things haven't worked out. And that this year is, is quote unquote, a weak year right. for a quarterback. And on, on the surface, it looks like the timing of all this just, it didn't work out in, in an ideal scenario because the lions are in a place where great, this would be the, the, the perfect year to draft a quarterback. They got golf for at least one more year. They, they can develop Ryan wrote a whole article arguing that the timing of, of picking a quarterback is absolutely ideal this year. The question well, is whether there's, is whether there's an actual quarterback worthy of, of plugging in there. And most people would argue right now that there isn't 
Well, I think those people are just set up. Yeah. And I think the problem with that though, and I mean, I'm sure Ryan and I were going to, Ryan and I talked about this a little bit too, is like, I think there's some people who are just way too set in their early evaluation that this is a bad quarterback class and nothing I I can say or do will change their opinion about it. So like, they just see that as lost value. Well, to be fair, like, They've all played their last games. Like, there's no more games to be played. I, I know. The only I thing know, that's left is gotten... to run the combine and to, to that stuff. And most of that is checking boxes that have already been formed on these guys. So people and, – and listen, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think people make up their minds way too quickly. And there's a snowball effect where is when, when something becomes a common theme, when everyone – when the common perception, cognitive narrative is that there aren't – a quarter there isn't a top 10 quarterback in this draft class people just believe it is fact it's fact i that happens no no question about it but there are also i mean there there are legitimate questions about every quarterback in this draft right like no one has there there isn't the the joe burrow of this draft class and not not saying that all of the the guys that everyone has agreed upon is the number one hit 100 of the time they don't but Usually there's at least a couple guys that people get really, really, really excited about. And there isn't this year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's the problem that lies in, in having that conversation about if a quarterback is worth it at number two. So I, I get it. I get people's trepidation towards it. It's just, it, it comes back to having to trust Brad Holmes and the evaluation that his scouts and the coaching staff do. Yep. And, and I think there's an inherent distrust for a lot of those people because of the the value they've put into Jared Goff. So mm-hmm. people, I mean, I've seen it. Like I've seen people say, I think Brad Holmes is pretty good at his job, but I'm not sure I can trust him with quarterbacks yet. Yeah. Just but fair. I, yeah, it is fair, but also too, like, I, I think any evaluation on Jared Goff kind of has to go along with seeing what a system that isn't Anthony Lynn's going to look like for him too. Like I, Jared Goff is out. He's not, don't get it wrong. It's not a lead quarterback, but he's the kind of quarterback with the right system around him. He's, he's serviceable. And we saw that ver- with year one versus Sean McVay. And like, look, we just talked about it. Sean McVay did not coach a good, great uh, Super Bowl. So I think there's questions to be said about Sean McVay offensive genius. And that final year with Goff in LA. And as much as we keep that upon Goff, maybe there was something about McVay there too. So I think, I, I think when it comes to the evaluation, there's some in between that that's worth considering. Sure. But likewise, like we, we've, we've talked a lot about, I mean, again, back to the question of quarterback this year, like you, you say it's the last game played, but we had the senior bowl. And I think a lot of people push back very hard, very hard on the idea that Malik Willis was a good quarterback in that seat in the senior bowl practices, because it just goes back to, he didn't play a great season at Liberty, regardless of the pieces around him at Liberty. And like people's minds have already been made up in every which way. And yes, I know on, on the, on the whole, it's not as good of a class of quarterbacks versus last year, but guess what? That, that class last year had Trevor Lawrence. Like that's going to, that's going to break it no matter what we still. And like, we still have to see if Lance and fields are going to be that too. Like no matter what, when it comes to a quarterback, that is the hardest position to get right. And if you're sure of a guy, it doesn't matter where you think their quote unquote draft stock places them. You take them as soon as you can. That and that's that's the point too, right? Is there's there's no reason for the lines to wait, and, and I think that's why some people may have been frustrated that they didn't go quarterback last year, is because they were in a position to grab a quarterback and and they didn't. And 
whether whether that was an expression of confidence in golf, whether it was an expression in they 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 like they thought Sewell was more can't miss, whether it, it might have been an expression of, of a million different things. But the, the I guess the point I was trying to make is like there is no Trevor Lawrence in this draft. Yeah, no, and, no, and, and and I don't I don't mean there's no quarterback that can be as good as Trevor Lawrence. I mean there is no consensus. There's this no is the guy, guy you can't miss. Right. There is no guy. Well, it's funny because if there was a guy you can't miss, then you'd wonder if someone would be trading with the Jags to go get him. But at the same time, yeah, but like they wouldn't be, it wouldn't fall to two is what I'm saying. And also, and also like if you had that guy too, like we saw that with the dolphins with Joe Burrow, where the dolphins wanted to trade the world to get Joe Burrow and the dolphins stiffed them. I mean, the Bengals stiffed them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see with the quarterback. I, I, I'm the the point that I thought Ryan made that was most salient to me was the was what you just said. It was you can't you can't be in a camp where oh just just do it next year, just do it next year. Or you, you can't also be in a camp where it's like he'll still be around at 32. You don't know that. Right. You don't know any of that, and and you can't just be like, well, they got two first round picks next year. They'll, they'll be fine. They'll be able to trade up. That might not be enough. We don't know. We I think we all agree that this team is going to win more than three games next year, probably at least double that, which means they might not even be in the top ten. Which means it's not going to be easy to trade up into the top ten, and it's more than likely that there are teams in the top ten that are also going to want a quarterback that won't be willing to trade down with you, and so it's 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 a nice thought if the lions can somehow get in the quarterback business of 2023, that'd be great. It, it, it wouldn't quite be as ideal of timing as it would be this year, but if they do it next year, that would be great. It just might not be as easy. And the lines don't have to work hard to get a quarterback this year. It's there. They're number two. The, the number one team isn't going to pick a quarterback. They're probably going to stick there. No one's going to trade up with that number one spot. So they, they are going to have a chance at the best quarterback in this year's class period. And they're not going to, they're almost certainly not going to have that opportunity next year. Said it better than I could. That's all I got. I just copied off of what you already wrote. <laughs> just copying the homework. <laughs> I'll get you a failing grade in Ryan's class. All right. Uh, let's take another break. We've already kind of dipped into the off season ahead, but uh, I feel like we need to kind of lay out the roadmap because we've got a long road now, Jeremy. We've got a whole month until uh, free agency starts. What the F are we going to do? <laughs> Hey, you know what? One one month isn't that bad. I can do a month. Yeah, I guess I could, I could do a month. I just want I want to sleep. <laughs> we'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit PD cast. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wrapping up the Pride of Detroit POD cast, a couple programming notes. Number one, um, I'm sitting here preparing to drink this drink that we sold during November. And I had a sip of the Jepson's Malort that someone requested. 
Um, I still haven't gotten it out of my mental, like literally just a drop applied to my lips and tongue. And I haven't gotten it out of my mind yet. Um, my psyche is crushed. So look for that on the scraps where I drink this. And also the video we will be putting out on, on, on YouTube, on wherever we put Somewhere. it. Somewhere. Somewhere. We'll have a Twitch highlight. There, I will there will be a clip it. of it for sure. There will be a clip of it. Second thing is Ryan had to go uh, deal with a family issue. He will not be joining us for this final segment. Thank you, Ryan. Hope everything goes well. Um, there. Now, let's get on to the reviews before we uh, preview what's to come next on Lions Podcast. We do have new reviews. so We do. We got four. four very and, and four usually just ratings during a, a week is good. We got four full five-star reviews with yeah, if you want to leave us a review apple Podcasts, look for pride of detroit uh we also still are taking um ratings on spotify yeah but we will read the, the we will read the reviews from apple podcasts yes uh and let's start with Dartman. um says fantastic five stars says great podcast full life and energy uh full life and energy for us detroit lions fans they all Three have terrific insight on the players and franchise. Just a good group of guys enjoying our Detroit Lions. Just a group of guys having just, just guys being dudes. Just guys being dudes. All right. Next one I have is from Jumanji Jones. Uh, Mikey Silver is a quote unquote real journalist. He graduated and then it's cut off. So Jumanji Jones, if you're out there, I want to know what he graduated from. Yeah, for some reason, um, but the it, subject lines are, are very are, they're cut off. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, this is a quote on this is and he, he wants me to put emphasis on the on the quotation marks here. <laughs> so I will try to do it without saying, quote, unquote, this is unreal journalism. You guys do a great job. I'm happy to ride with you. So-called journalists, please emphasize the quotes. <laughs> Appreciate <Unreal>. it. <laughs> Uh, next review comes from a recent viewer with interest. Uh, five stars says Pride Detroit praise. Thank you, gentlemen, for your hard work, diligence, conversation topics, and all things Detroit Lions football that you discuss, debate, and bring to light for dedicated fans. I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to every episode this past year. It was my first year listening, despite the results in the win-loss column by season's end. Your player coach team analysis keeps me addicted to your podcast and looking forward to the next one and the next one. I can't get enough. Keep up the great work. I'm a fan for life appreciate Hell that yeah. love hearing that they're new viewers and listeners because we've been doing this for six years now and sometimes it feels like we're God. talking to the same people but uh, we're going on year seven <laughs> Woo. i don't want to think about that i've not held out a job anywhere close to that anyway last review alex yacklin pod review five stars i've always enjoyed reading the pride of detroit articles which is what led me to start listening to the podcast at the beginning of last off season. I was a bit late to the whole podcast thing. That's fine. For someone who was born and raised in Michigan, still looking for that first playoff win that I've been alive for and have been, and having been out of the state for the past decade with the Marine Corps, the last four of which being in San Diego, I couldn't have been happier to have stumbled onto the podcast. I always get a kick out of the quote unquote adequate references and I appreciate, I appreciate that you all have realistic takes and opinions that you can be fans, but at the same time also see and legitimately vocalize how a fan base feels. Maybe one day soon, Ryan will finally get Twitter <laughs> verification checkmark. But in the meantime, I appreciate the constant quality of the constant quality content that you all continue to create and please keep doing what you do. I think I've said it before. Like, I, I know we've last scraps, we talked about differences, like, you know, 
the questions of journalism and everything, but I consider podcasts to be like sports talk radio and sports talk radio is supposed to be for the fans. So we, uh, it is a lot lighter, but I I'm glad that, uh, thank you. Thank you, Alex. Yeah. Very much. Appreciate, appreciate what you do for us and, uh, and happy to, to provide you at least with, uh, an hour or so of entertainment per week. <laughs> More than an hour, the way these streams have gone. True. <laughs> Um, all right. So we're near the end here, Jeremy. We're starting to look to the, the full off season is now ahead. No more football until the USFL starts. And we'll, I don't know. I, I feel like I want to get into doing Michigan Panthers coverage. <laughs> you you just, laugh just for Jeff Fisher. I'm, oh, no, I, I, I have a little mustache envy of Jeff Fisher. Is that, is that normal? You know what? We could probably get press passes because of your mustache. <laughs> But they, they don't play in Michigan. I know you'd have to, we'd have to send you back down to Alabama. No, I'm not. Nope. Not happening. <laughs> can't go back. Can't go back. The guy from Detroit does not want to go back to Alabama. <laughs> All right. Um, so combines coming up in end of the month. Yep. And then free agency is in literally a month, like yep. a little over a month from today. Lions, obviously, I think we've talked about who deserves to be re-signed. We, we've done that podcast before. But I guess, where, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the combine or do you want to start with what I consider the shopping list? I, I mean, there's nothing. We'll, we'll talk about the combine when we get there. I think, I think okay. let's more just kind of talk overarching themes of what the Lions need to do and, and right here, what they need to get better at. Sure. Uh, I, th- this is not going to be names. I, I think we we've decided we're not going to sit here and like dictate on names um, as to like who we want for the lions free agency. Cause that's just not realistic right now with like, right. I mean, people, know. we, we make all these like grand ideas of, of what each team is going to do in the off season before anyone even has a chance to resign their own guys. And then suddenly right. half the guys that you want are never even available. So I don't like getting ahead of, that's so, but let's, let's talk about needs though. Let's talk about needs. We're like, cause they could definitely go outside and find upgrades. And I know that a lot of, again, one of the, one of the problems of doing a team specific one is sometimes we're too close into the tree that we don't mm-hmm. see the forest. And we think that like, Hey, yeah, every, we should just bring back everyone. They'll all look fantastic and great. And that's not how it works out. So there's, so we're, we're, uh, I, I guess the other question I have for you to start though is, how aggressive should the Lions be in free agency? And I just, we just led this podcast talking about how aggressive the Rams were at spending. They had a lot of right. homegrown guys, but their key pieces, they went out and they spent and they had to resign a bunch of guys too. And they had to spend and acquire. And that's what we're talking about here when we're talking about free agency is acquisition. So how aggressive in year two of a rebuild should the Lions be on spending and where should that spending really be directed? And it doesn't even need to be a position, but like, are we talking short-term, long-term? Uh, con- what, what do you see? What, do you, what would you want to see? It's, it's a good question because I, I think ever, like last year was an anomaly, right? They didn't have a lot of cap space, COVID, all that sort of stuff. The, the cap, cap room was, was down for everybody. So everyone got signed to one-year deals. And this year, I think everyone is expecting – okay, now the Lions are going to throw it all in and, and do some of the things that they did under under Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia, which is throw out some hefty contracts at some guys and and win free agency. I don't think we're going to see that. Now, that doesn't mean they I, I, they might throw a haymaker or two. They might go out and sign um, 
to me, it, it seems like safety is, is the, is the most obvious place that the Lions can spend money, not only because it's a glaring need where they probably could add two in free agency, but it also happens to be one of the deeper positions in free agency where there are a lot of really good players. I know a lot of people have talked about Marcus Williams. And I think it was interesting. There was one site that put out a, a top like 150 free agents and there were nine safeties on them on that list. And none of them were Tracy Walker. So that, that kind of gives you a sense of just how talented the, the safety class is as free agency, assuming all of those guys actually make it free agency. Um, but, but the point being is, I, I don't know. I, there's there's one comment that lingers from Brad Holmes um, at the beginning of the senior bowl, actually that lingers with me that, that makes me believe we're not going to see a lot of huge splashes, not saying it's all going to be one year deal guys, but you know, I I think the like Trey flowers, five years, $90 million deals like that's, I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe, maybe one, but probably not. And so let, let me read the quote because it's really interesting because he was asked specifically, you know, does the approach to your offseason change now that, that you have more resources? And he says, we're going to still find guys that fit. Regardless of however much resources that we have, we're still going to find guys that are aligned, that truly fit where we're about. You bring up the guys that had chips on their shoulder and things to prove. Well, a lot of that, a lot of times experiences shape people often. Like I said, we're a gritty group, so I'm not saying we're looking for a lot of one-year deal guys, but we're still looking at the guys who fit where who we are. We'll just probably get a little bit more. And, and he does so like, that he, sounds he, like that sounds long-term to me, maybe, but he'll like, to me, it sounds like he's still looking for those guys that, that are looking to come somewhere for a chance to prove something kind of those, those so, under the so radar yeah, the, guys. The, yeah. So Anzalone Brockers, like guys that are like either familiar with the system, but like Anzalone was, was kind of an interesting one just because that was kind of a, like he, he, he really proved himself this year. And we'll see if he's back, but that was definitely a proven year for Ans alone. So yeah, something like that. Sort of, yeah, definitely. Like just, just all of those guys that that have either been like too far down on the the depth chart to get an opportunity, or they have one down year and and the team kicked them to the curb, or maybe they were a bad fit with with some team in terms of their their scheme, but they they saw promise in them somewhere else. I really feel like they're not going to go for these top tier big name guys and really look for these hungry guys, these guys that are really hungry. And listen, if there's, if you're in free agency period, you're a hungry guy, right? Like you, you're mm. getting tossed to the side by the team. You, you, you they, this team didn't resign you. So there's a certain chip on your, on every single one of these guys' shoulders. But to me, they're looking for that kind of mentality in a guy. So I don't know if, you know, Marcus Williams is, is a guy that everyone keeps saying like the Saints safety. And I understand there's, uh, familiarity there with Aaron Glenn, I, the, the scheme um, awareness and all of that sort of stuff. But is he the, the chip on the shoulder guy that they're necessarily going to be looking for? I think Tracy Walker more fits a, a chip on your shoulder guy. And so, I don't know, just philosophically, I don't expect this team to be just like throwing money against the wall. They, they have a decent amount, but you also have to remember they have all these draft picks. That's going to eat up $10 million of the cap space alone. Yeah. Um, the extra, so- the extra first round alone is going to cost quite quite a bit of that too, because that's an extra sure. first round grade of mm. uh, on, on the rookie scaling contract. Right. Exactly. So I, I don't think they'll go buck wild, but they'll, they'll be a little bit more aggressive and, and they'll probably add, you know, we, we won't see everyone on one year deals. And, and you mentioned it, I think at the top, like one thing that they might do 
is give a lot of give give a big signing bonus and stretch that over two three years so that the cap doesn't hit them all this year. Um, but right. But I, I just I'm trying to temper fans' expectations that that are going into free agency hoping you know the lines just absolutely un, unleash unleash the vault because I don't think that's coming. Not not in year two. No. Um, is there any position you think they should be targeting most of all through free agency? Because like, as much as I think that the that the Lions want to look at a wide receiver, I'm I'm worried about where they're picking now in the draft. If we're going by projections. It's kind of a dead in a dead man zone for one of those elite wide receivers in that first round. And since we're talking about prove it deals, I said I wouldn't give a name, but he's a USC guy, so damn it, I got to do it. But you could maybe get a prove it deal on Juju Smith-Schuster. If you want to talk about, I, I know that's not your prototypical number one. I don't think he ever will be a number one, but I mean, that is a guy whose career has not ended well in, I mean, his, his time has not ended well in Pittsburgh. Will Pittsburgh resign him? I don't, I don't know, but if they don't like, I think there's enough in Juju's past. Like there's definitely a lot of upside in Juju. But what he has right now has also been a lot of flaws that he's had lately where he would be on one of those guys who would want to prove a deal. I mean, there's, and he's young too. So I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just throwing that as an example. Right. And I think with him specifically there, I mean, there were some personality clashes that you'd have to consider, but the, I mean, the wide receiver class in free agency is pretty, it's not bad. It's pretty, pretty yeah. darn good. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, there, there are a handful of them that are, that are coming back from injuries, including Odell Beckham Jr. Now, unfortunately, um, yeah, that sucks. But, <laughs> but I mean, you, you have to, you have to look at what Antoine Randall L said, and he, he wants to draft two and add another, like make, and it makes sense. This, this team needs to add a bunch. There aren't a ton that are under contract mm-hmm. um, guys like, um, you know, obviously Tyrell Williams is already gone, but, um, I, I mean, you basically what have you have Amon Ra, you have, uh, Quintus Cephas. And th- I mean, in terms of guys that you can rely on, the probably list, Josh, probably, I think they will maybe Josh, Josh Reynolds. Reynolds. I don't, I he mean, has to come maybe. back. Yeah. Khalif Raymond, maybe. I, I don't, you can't, first of all, you, those aren't automatic re-sign guys. Second of all, even if they are, you still need better talent there. And so you really only have two guys that, that you, that are even capable of starting under contract right now. You need more than that. And and listen, as good as Quintus Cephas was starting to turn the corner there, I don't know if you want to enter 2022 with him in the starting lineup. High up on, know. high up on your, on your depth chart. Right. right. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree there. And it's but the yeah, one thing me, that will, that will like live or die with how well like that, that will live, that will help decide live or die. How well a Jared Goff, if he is your quarterback in 2022 plays, he needs good weapons. Right. And then we went through this last year. We said, well, maybe give Jared Goff some time to, to work with these new wide receivers. Well, guess what? He's probably going to have a new core of them this year. Again, he'll, he'll have Amon Ra back and have a, a nice little rapport with him. Um, but we'll that TJ Hawkinson back really, but right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, and I mean, we could, we could dovetail this into a tight end talk because the Lions need a tight end. I, I, I mean, if we're just talking basic needs, I, I don't really know what the tight end market looks like in free agency to me, maybe the more interesting position is linebacker because you can make the argument. There's always the been a need, need for linebacker. <laughs> they, they have two under, they have three under contract right now, Derek Barnes, Curtis Bolton, and Tavante Beckett. That ain't, that ain't it. No, they, that's they need, 
at least one more starter, two backups, and probably a special. Like they need to add four linebackers. And maybe maybe that means resigning Jalen Reese Maven or Alex Anzalone. I have to believe Jalen Reese Maven is the guy who comes back. Um Alex Anzalone, not not as much, not 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 as confident in him. But even if they bring back Jalen Reeves Maven, they need to add at least two more of those guys. And uh, I'm, I'm curious as to as to what route they go. Do they go for another draft so that they have two young guys in Derek Barnes and and whoever this young other linebacker is to to be their their set two linebackers for the future, or do they go and get another veteran uh, that that they can trust that knows the system? Yeah, we'll see, and we'll see with the draft too, because like we I, I've been looking and there are some guys probably that you can see on day two falling to the Lions, but there's a lot of gap between 34 and then where they pick in the third round that you're yeah. just, you're not going to be able to address, like there's going to be a lot of quality starters that are going to go off that board between what is it, Jeremy 34 to uh, was that 60, 68 or something. Yeah. I, I, I don't have it up in front of me. Like 66 sounds right. By yeah. purposes. <clears throat> so like that's third. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's a full round and, and yeah. that's, that's where I think the, the biggest drop off in talent is probably going to be. I think most people, seem to agree that they're like the top 50 you could get set starters. And then there might be a drop off after drop off after that. Yeah. 66. I just looked it up. Okay. So yeah, we'll see. You're, you're going to, you're going to have some top picks, but after those top picks, you're going to have to start rationing what you're getting and looking and hoping that maybe someone's left, you know, one of the linebackers from Penn state on the board or something. What I'm saying is you're going to need some luck going into it. And you probably don't want to set aside free agency and rely on luck going into the draft. Right. And it's kind of interesting. I'm curious as to your thoughts on this. Like, I think a lot of people think that free agency should come after the draft because you don't, you don't know what you're going to get in the draft, right? Mm -hmm. The draft just kind of falls to you. You can't, you can't be sure that you're going to get a wide receiver. You can't be sure that you're going to get a linebacker or quarterback or whatever. Sometimes it just doesn't fall your way. So some people argue that, well, then then do free agency after so that you can clean up all the messes that you weren't able to hit on in the draft. I guess, but that's just a reality you have to live with. That's where it is in the calendar. Like, so we're going to make it easier for teams because you can't trust them to make the, the right choices and ration off and like, okay, then just don't sign, don't sign a lot of free, like big free agents until after the draft. And you'll just have to like, just play chicken with the rest of the league. Like I, that doesn't bother me. That's, that's, that's one of those things where it's like, I think that would be a better world for everyone involved, but flip side of that, like who cares? That's the reality of it. Deal with, deal with it. All 32 deal, teams have to deal, deal with what? Yeah, yeah. All teams all, yeah. have to deal with it. It's a, it's a level playing field for everyone right. on this. That's no, no question about that. I just, it's, it's just an interesting thought. I think so. No, no, I, I think it would be, it would be a cool idea, but I think at that point, I, I don't know. I, I I'm not sure the PA would go for something like that. Cause at that point you're putting more of an emphasis on the draft than on paying free agents. And that cuts Absolutely. into the earning second degree, second third level earnings of players who have stuck around and That's thus who, and, and go, and those guys have power in, in the PA. I'm sure that ownership would love something like that. Cause that would tilt the, 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 the degree of power back towards ownership a bit by having more players under rookie contract as your emphasis. But I don't think, I don't think that, uh, yeah, I just don't, I just don't see that happening. So for me to even sit here and like assume that it, it's kind of uh no, 
No, no, I'm good. I'm good on that front. It's an interesting thought experiment, though. I think we're near the end, Jeremy. Yeah, I think we made it. Uh, no more. We, we lost. We lost one of us along the way, but you know, we almost lost you. You almost got torn apart by wild dogs. That's <laughs> true. It's true. <laughs> They're still going at it a little bit, but we made it. We made it through. I mean, we made it through the 2021 season. It's over. We're we're in. We're we've been into 2022 for a month now, but we're now fully into the 2022. Are you trying to make me depressed? Season. Uh, maybe I, I might be doing it to myself. You know how much I hate the off season, but listen. I mean, I I'm not looking forward to trying to figure out how to like the NBA. Don't well, don't who likes the NBA? A lot of people. <laughs> who uh, who likes the NBA? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll talk some USFL in the future. Maybe, but here's the thing: like the the NFL has perfected the entire year season, like. I, That's I how can't we can do this podcast. All year I can't round. believe free agency is a month away because, and and there's going to be stuff between them. Like we're going to see what Aubrey Pleasant's sure. I just uh, I, future I, I, is, and and the lines are going to resign their own guys. Like there's plenty of things to happen, and we're actually going to have news for the next month. Uh, it might I think it'll it'll hit free. me it'll hit me hard when we get past the draft because you know how much I don't like OTAs sure. and training camps. Sure. So yes, but that's but, your wheelhouse. So yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be able to carry the show by then to me. The tough part is, so we'll have this month where we'll have sporadic news and we'll have to, we'll have to, we'll have to dig a little deep before free agency starts. Then we'll have free agency that carries us until basically the beginning of April. And then April to the start of the draft is going to be a little tough, but, but we'll have plenty like, we'll have plenty of draft coverage. We, we, yeah. Have and we'll, we'll have some guests. fun stuff. We'll have fun stuff too. We'll do re we'll look back on the season. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll look into, we'll look into various things and we're going to have some fun. After we try to have as much fun as possible on the POD cast. I know sometimes we've kind of tilted a little too, too much on topic sometimes. So speaking of fun, we're about to have fun on the live stream, which oh, once again, I, I know we pitch it to you all the time on the podcast. Come to our live stream because we do a lot of crazy stuff that you guys don't get to yeah, see. But keep, please keep downloading the podcast and leaving reviews because that's how you help us out with uh, everything else. So, True. but I, we're over time. So I'm going to end it here on the POD cast. Uh, thank you everyone for an amazing NFL 2021 season. And as always, because POD cast never sleeps. We'll see you star side. <laughs>
Visit Anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. 